The following podcast contains coarse language and adult themes. This week on the show, it's as if the British office and the West Wing had a beautiful, positive, life-affirming baby. We get curious, not judgmental, talking about the Emmy Award-winning Apple TV comedy juggernaut Ted Lasso. I'm Riggs. I'm Bloodaxe. Have you seen my child? (laughs) (laughs) And this is the Filmatics Podcast. I'm Bloodaxe. Have you seen my child? That's spectacular. Congratulations, you win the podcast already. It's all about continuity, man. Hey folks, welcome back to the Filmatics Podcast. We're so happy to have you here. I'm here with Bloodaxe looking for his lost baby. Bloodaxe, where did you leave it? The supermarket? What happened? I don't know. I found out last week he exists, and now I don't fucking know. <laughs> I found out last week he's... Well, you sound like an absentee father, Blood Axe. I think baby Blood Axe is better off without you. Maybe he'll go to Kansas and find a nice, you know, homely couple to raise him to be a superhero. And we get fucking super Blood Axe. <clears throat> Jesus, we're crossing, crossing the streams here. But it's all Snyderverse. It's all Snyder territory, so it kind of works. Anyway... <laughs> Hopefully we discover Baby Blood Axe at some point during the podcast. But welcome back. Uh, as I said in the, in, in the intro, we're talking Ted Lasso. Amazing, amazing program. Um, I, I only discovered it at the end of last year. Um, and it's just, there's just such a spectacular, spectacular show. Um, I just wanted a quick shout out though. Um, this episode is dedicated uh, to my dear friends, Jess and Tyler, who introduced me to the show. Me and Tyler were at, at, at the gym and he, he said to me, have you watched Ted Lasso? And I'm like, no, I don't like soccer. And he goes, that fucking doesn't matter at all. You got to watch it. It's so great. And I have Apple TV. So I thought, why not? I'll give it a whirl. And I smashed through it and it's and it was so great. And I'm, I'm thank you so much, both of you, Jess and Tyler. I love you both for introducing it to me. And um, this episode's also dedicated to, to Little Jack. Now, those of you who listen to the podcast will um, uh, remember in December, me and my fiance fostered four kittens. Um, there was Jack, Paul, Paul with a W, by the way, like as in Paul with an L, uh, Paul McCatney, uh, Clark and Perry. Now, we foster failed hard and kept three of them. <laughs> we kept Paul, Perry and Clark. And they're wonderful. They're just they're, they're they're little dudes, and they're they're my best mates, and I love them. But Jack went to Jess and Tyler. Now, unfortunately, um, Jack had a, 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 an autoimmune disease. I think was my understanding, and sadly, he passed away a few weeks ago. And it was just it was absolutely heartbreaking for them and for us. Um, and and yeah, I just wanted to dedicate it to to, to little Jack because he was such a little man, and he was so it's such a big personality for someone so young. Um, and uh, the only compensation, and I said this to Jess and Tyler, is that while he was here for a short amount of time, it was he knew only kindness and only love and only warmth. And wherever that next place is, whatever you believe, I'm sure he's waiting at the door for his three brothers to come and play with him again, you know? And um, so, yeah, the next 90 minutes of nonsense is is dedicated to him because he he would have loved it. He, he was hysterical. So all the best, Jack. We'll see you on the other side, mate. Thanks for letting me me get that out. That was hard, actually. That was that was quite difficult. It was um, it was it was horrible. It was a horrible situation. But we move forward with with kindness and with graciousness and with hope. 
And uh, we talk about Ted Lasso. But before that, before all that, how are you, sir? We're in the Nightwing, representing. I appreciate it. Yes. There's the only one yeah, I can Nightwing find. Nightwing t-shirt on everyone. <laughs> what was that, sorry? There's the only one I could find, so I was like, fuck it. The only t-shirt in your house? Yeah. <laughs> Fucking blood axe, stealing all your t-shirts. Coming in there, son of a bitch. Um, what have you been up to? What's What's been going on? Um, I've been good. I've been very, uh, very surprised that it's been a year. Yeah, that's right, everybody. Today, we're recording this on the 24th of March, 2023. It is officially a full year since we recorded our first episode. And I'll tell you this much. I, I keep a diary um, just of my comings and goings, um, which sounds dirtier than I meant it to. Uh, but, uh, just to, you know, track the day and I read back the year previous, you know, when I'm, when I'm typing up from today, I go back to the year previous and see what I was doing a year ago today. And a year ago today, I wrote this, um, at four after setting up and making a smoothie, probably had banana in it. Addie sent me a zoom link and we recorded our podcast on the MCU, which was really fun. I'll finish editing it today and send it to him via Google drive. It's 7.07 PM. That's that's what my diary's like. But yeah, how about that, man? A whole year. Insane. It's it's it is out beyond belief. Just all this like think of all the nonsense content that we've captured. And what I what I would like to do really quickly before we get into um you know we, maybe next week we'll do like a proper 1 year anniversary and you know talk about some of the episodes a bit more and We'll see if we can pull some some audio from different places and, and, and you know, we'll talk about our favourite parts and I'll kind of do a cobble together a, a, a best of. But I, I, what are you like your three favourite things that have happened or, you know, like the best episodes or whatever, like just really quickly before we get into um, before we get into what are we watching? Well, you have to because I know what mine are immediately <laughs> and I'm sure they're all the same. That's good. All right, so I'll go three, then you go three, then I'll go two, and then you go two. Yep, we'll go back and we'll go sip, sip, sip. Yep. <clears throat> Always the way. Um, okay, number three, just because it's the most recent thing, is it just has to be um, the floating dildo. That's mine too! That's mine too. Yeah, like the yeah, Charles Xavier's floating dildo chair and it, and it being <laughs> so surprising to Yoda, he, Yoda, he starts talking straight. <laughs> it fucks him up and he can't he can't talk backwards backwards like anymore that was that was just absolute lunacy i loved it okay what's another one all right you go number two okay my number two is um you mispronouncing sarcophagus <laughs> in the moon knight episode you were like sarcophagus <laughs> Sophophagan, <laughs> and then you were like Egyptian coffin. You just you just aborted the eye. Like the- <laughs> it was so good, and I was like Sophophagan, Savivagus, like <laughs> just so silly. That was that's my number two. What about you? <laughs> oh God. I'm putting him on the spot here. I didn't pre-warn him that I was going to ask these questions. So if he takes a little bit of time, you'll have to forgive us. I'll cut out the, the, the waste. Um, it's actually from the same episode. But it's the... From the Moon Knight? Yep. Yeah, it's the floating dick. Doctor Strange's floating dick. Doctor Strange's dick in the sky. <laughs> oh, that's really good. <laughs> What's that? A huge penis. 
It's Doctor Strange. Oh, that's a weird thing to have happened for him. What a strange thing to happen in the MCU. <laughs> One of the main characters <laughs> becomes a huge penis that floats in the sky like the Goodyear blimp. Um, well, in that case, my number one is quite possibly the funniest thing that Addy has ever said. And that's 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 high praise considering the, all the funny things that he said on this podcast. But the idea that during the snap, the Hulk, smart Hulk, went to Reed Richards and was like, hey, I'm smart Hulk now. So I've got Bruce Banner's mind in the Hulk's body, but I've got this huge, massive green <laughs> penis can you please give me a small, normal-sized man's pink penis? <laughs> so there's a huge hulking creature with this tiny little, you know, cocktail frankfurt in between his legs, in, like, by comparison, you know what I mean? That was just... I don't think I've laughed that hard. Like, I've laughed a lot on this show, but I don't think I've laughed that hard. That was the just the, the, the creme de la creme of nonsense. I loved it. So for context, this is how big it would have been, and this is how big it was. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I love that nobody would get there. that. It was like, it was, it was a back scratcher, is, is that what you had? Yeah, he had a back scratcher. He was like, this is the full length of it. And then he took the handle off and just had the handle and goes, and that's what it ended up like. I know. And then the Hulk's looking down going, I made a mistake. I made a mistake. I could have just fucked watermelons or whatever. Um, <laughs> or big pumpkins. Anyway, what's your number one? That was my number one. That was your number one was about. See, this is why we are so good at this together, my friend. We are we we are in sync here, like like the the band. Um, and I was about to do a little tune of this, but I can't remember a single in sync song. I just want to give a honorable mention to all the pro- free fucking promotion we've done for for Rebel Moon, and especially for Blood yeah. X. <laughs> <laughs> Once listen to this, they're like, "I'm really excited about that movie." Apparently, he's got a baby in it. Like, you misheard us. That's just a joke on the on the podcast. If you want to talk about free promotion, Jesus Christ, the MCU, <laughs> yeah. Disney, DC, the We Hate Movies podcast. Like, we're we're you know, if we were actually any kind of revenue share here, we'd be making the squillions. But it's beautiful. It's wonderful. I'm so happy to be here. This is this is such a, a fun thing to do, and we do love it. Um, and, and one of the things we do love to do is, is talk about what we've been watching. So, Addy, what are we watching? I don't know. I'm going to ask you about it. What were you watching this week or since we last spoke? I just, I have to say that in the, in the Moon Knight episode, when I mispronounce uh, the Egyptian coffin. Go on, try it. Try, try. Sophophagus. <laughs> 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 Oh, by the way, sorry, just really quickly, um, uh, you know, with the X-Men episode, the third X-Men episode came out yesterday and I was, you know, promoting it and stuff and Chaz got in touch with me, my main man, Chaz. And we, you know, we were talking about laughs at the end, like we we're talking about different types of, you know, laughs that people have. And I was talking about my business partner, Dan, who laughs like a hyena with getting kicked in the balls. <laughs> um, uh, Chaz said that I laugh like Frank Gorchin from um, uh, the 60s Batman show who played the Riddler, like, Riddler, like, <laughs> like that. And, and Chaz, that was like one of the kindest, nicest things someone's ever said to me. I'll take it. But anyway, Sophophagon. Yeah. Um, you said that the pruler of or the other version of the word was Sophophagon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the plural of sarcophagus is, is, is sarcophagi. Yeah. And that sounds like. A request. 
Yeah. Just. And you were like, no thanks. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, because if nothing else, it would interrupt the flow of the podcast. <laughs> you don't know that. <laughs> you reckon you could do two things at once? What a multitasker you are. You could blow a guy and do a podcast. I'll be done. You'd be on the I'll, news. I'll be done in two, two fucking milliseconds. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you could do it during a commercial break. I love it. Oh, sarcophagon. Sophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophophoph
Um, really great movies, you know, a- action films that sort of redefine things. You know, Keanu being part of another action redefining trilogy of movies or quadrilogy of mu- movies now. Um, uh, really, really great to see him. And yesterday I went opening day to see number four. And it's it's really fucking good. Like, it's really good. It takes all the things that work in the first three and, and just and, and amps it up. The final set piece is in France. Um, you know, there's there's I won't say any specific things that happen, but there's some stuff that they're doing with light and throughout the entire film. The cinematography is so cutting edge and so interesting and so different than anything I've ever seen. And the action, I've never seen action sequences set like this. I've never seen set pieces like this. It was really I don't think action movies are going to be the same moving ahead. They're all going to look at this and go, Oh well fuck, this is the new the new reel. This is the real reel. And the way, same way that the Matrix, maybe not as a cultural um, touchstone as as that, but it'll definitely have have an impact. Um, but three minutes before the end of the picture, the there was a power outage, and um, they they when they came back, the the cinema had only rolled it back to the like the beginning of the credits. Like we didn't, I didn't get to see those last three minutes, and so I went out and I was like, hey. When's it playing again? They were like, well, right now. Um, and I said, I'm going to come back in two and a half hours because it goes for like uh, 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 two hours and 51 minutes with credits. I said, I'm going to come back in, in two hours and I'm going to watch the, the, the back half of it if that's all right because I missed it. Um, so, yeah, I saw the the final like the hour of it twice. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's beautiful. It's a great little wrap up, um, you know, of, the, of that arc of the story. Check it out, man. John Wick 4. John Wick Chapter 4. Um, Keanu Reeves just whooping everybody ass. And fucking Donnie Yen. Donnie Yen is a... He is just a treat in this film. Like, he's always great. I, I, I love him. What an exceptional martial artist. But he's such a good actor as well. He's just so still and patient. Just, yeah. Check it out. Clancy Brown's in it. Can't beat Clancy Brown. One of the Scars guards. Uh, uh, the one who played Pennywise. And he plays a Frenchman exceptionally well it's just a beautiful thing it's great to see um lance reddick one last time r.i.p <sighs> just yeah go and see john wick four enjoy yourself i don't like action movies so i'm probably not gonna watch it that's okay that's totally fine maybe not for you but um very good very well let's let's move on to uh we're gonna do some nerd news and uh here's the theme song Okay, here we are with the Filmatics Podcast, episode 27, Nerd News. Firstly, Superman Legacy will officially be directed by James Gunn. We called it. It's uh, We did. I mean, it was kind of in the offing anyway. Um, it's uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, it was Tom King, the, the comic book artist, accidentally revealed it um, during a uh, an interview um, with uh, Comic Pop and uh, said that, yeah, he will be directing... Superman Legacy. I think he's writing it as well. So, you know, Guardians 3 comes out shortly. I'll be interested to see what goes on with all that. Um, and like how, how what what that what that turns into and then what DNA of that kind of transposes into the DCU because you don't want to take too much with you. You know, when you want to start something new. Are you excited at all? We kind of covered this in our, in our episode. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. 
It's it's gonna be weird because the, the 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 Superman I have in mind is like way past thirty, and this is gonna be like twenty five year old. Mm, mm. It's, it's, uh, it's gonna be him and Baby Bloodaxe, and then <laughs> they're gonna be doing adventures. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I'll, I'll I'll hold my my opinions until I see it. That's as I always do. Um, speaking of opinions and holding them, Tom Cruise, uh, reportedly went to um. Whatever Zaslav's first name is, him. David, um, his name is David Zaslav. It's David not- Zaslav. <laughs> Zaslav. What? Okay. <laughs> David Sausage is getting <laughs> Dave Sauce. Um, no, uh, so Tom Cruise went to to David Zaslav and said, "I would like to see the Fash, please." And he he's like, "Sure, Tom Cruise." Um, as long as you fucking parachute into the goddamn cinema where we're showing it, you can do whatever you want. No, that's not what happened. But he was like, I want to go and see it. And um, and, and he loved it. Uh, he said, it's everything you want in a movie. This is the kind of movie we need right now. If it's got Tom Cruise's tick of approval, I'm a little bit more on board than I was before. I don't know how to feel about that one. Because that could very well be just something just to sell the film. I mean... That they're going to try and everything that they fucking can because you know considering how poorly Shazam: Fury of the Gods is doing, um, and how a lot of blame is getting thrown around, you know, by by people about that picture, um, you know, I think they need every every bum in seat they can possibly get. So, yeah. you know, it's going to be what it's going to be. I gotta say though, um, that that fucking trailer. Sorry to cut you off. No, not at all. That trailer played when I was at the theater watching everything everywhere all at once. I have to say, the trailer hits fucking hard in the theater, man. It's... I don't know what it's going to be. I hope it's good because it looks so fucking good. Mm. I just... I, I just really fucking... I'm going... I'm just going for Ben Affleck's Batman for one last time. Because we find... Because... We're getting like a final goodbye, at least at least for that chapter of of DC. Yeah, I think that'll it'll he'll sort of bookend it, and and it'll be resetting the timeline, or he'll come back. You know, the Flash will come back, and it won't be like the, the way that he does in Flashpoint, and everything will be different. You know, it'll be the way that it is now, um, whatever that happens to be. Uh, I'm still convinced that Michael Keaton's playing the Flashpoint version of Batman, which is actually um, Thomas Wayne. Thomas Wayne, yeah, I've, I've kind of got that feeling about it. I would love to see that, but he's returning as Bruce. That's the official statement. Yeah, official statement by balls, mate. Well, you never know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't official statement by balls. Um, this one I'm really excited about. Andrew Garfield, Oscar Isaac, and Maya Goth have uh, are in talks to star in Guillermo del Toro's Frankenstein. What are you laughing at? I'm just imagining shit. Sorry. That's okay. That's fine. This is an imaginary podcast. Was it my balls being fucking something, something, some sort of official? Yeah. You get a notification in the mail going, these are Regan's balls. And it's just me holding a picture of my balls. And now you have a picture of that. No, it's just the official document or whatever the fuck we were saying. It's just the stamp is, is your balls. <laughs> I'm going to dip my balls in red ink. Black. <laughs> That has nothing to do with Frankenstein, goddammit. Um, I'm very, very pleased about this. Uh, I, you know, it'd be great if, if Andrew Garfield's playing Dr. Frankenstein and if Oscar Isaac is playing 
the uh, uh, Frankenstein's monster. And if Mia Goth is playing um, uh, uh, the, the female lead, whose name escapes me all of a sudden, sorry. Um, yeah, bring it on. And Guillermo, like, he can do no wrong as far as... I even like that fish movie that people have a problem with, even though it won a fucking Best Picture at the Academy Award. But again, that doesn't mean anything. And we're going to talk about it right now. The Hoskers, they did happen. I didn't watch any of it, and I was better for it. But some really... Uh, uh, spectacular um, uh, uh, winners. Um, Addy was right. He said a sweep. Uh, um, you know, uh, fucking everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, one directors, uh, uh, picture, best supporting actor, best supporting actress, best actress. Just you know, came in and 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 took everybody by surprise. I think there was you know it wasn't as a prestige a picture as Fablemans or Tar. Um, and uh, really really great. And and of course. Um, fucking Encino Man and George of the Jungle Star. <laughs> Again, Brendan Fraser won an Academy Award for being a Best Actor. And the funny thing is, him and um, uh, Kiho Kwan were in Encino Man together. Um, that's just that the two members of that cast have Academy Awards now is hysterical. So um, yeah, that's I'm, I'm really pleased about about uh, who who ended up winning. We were talking about it yesterday. Do you have anything to say about the Oscars before I get into my fucking rant? Uh, yeah. Um, so I actually did not say that everything every wall at once was going to win. I said that it was going to win like about like one or two awards and that the Fables men was going to have a sweep. Um, yeah, no, I meant, I meant that you said there was going to be a sweep. You just yeah. got the movie wrong, yeah. <laughs> yeah, got, I got like 20, 30% right. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Um, that's still good odds. But yeah, I... This was going to be like, I wasn't going to watch this, but because I I loved everything, everywhere, all at once so much, I was like, this is the last Oscars I ever watch. Because every time I've had a film that's picked for the Best Picture nomination, and I've campaigned for it, and I've like been begging people to watch it throughout the, throughout the award season, it's never won a single thing. <laughs> so mm. I, was, I was very scared. And then we had, like, before the Everything Everywhere All in One Sweep, we had the All Quiet on, on the Western Front to a point where people were speculating it might take home Best Picture. I was like, mm. shit. And then, and then it got editor, director. Um, we started off with uh, Kihu Kwan as uh, Best Supporting Actor, which was amazing. Yeah. I love, great, great I love that he, he, hold, he held up his award and said, Mom, I won the Oscar. That fucking broke me can you imagine having the career that he's had like anybody outside of you know the 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 the, um the business probably doesn't know that he spent a a good portion of time working as a a martial arts um choreographer and uh, he was also um uh, yen wu ping's translator on the matrix um and he worked on the x-men because yen wu ping worked on that as well as far as i understand um, but, you know, he had little acting roles here and there, but his biggest roles were, were uh, you know, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and then Goonies. And that's where people know him from. And then a huge swath of just bits and pieces. And then all of a sudden he's got an Academy Award. Like that says a lot about him as, as, as a person, as an actor. What I thought was funny is that when, when it won Best Picture and everybody got up, it was Harrison Ford giving it up and he hugged him. And it was like, you know, it was it was short round and, 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 and Dr. Jones uh, all of a sudden. And then I thought, Harrison Ford has had a career for the better part of, what, 60 years or something like that, or 50 years. 
I don't even think he's ever been nominated. And this this kid that he was in one movie with like 30 years ago just walked away with one. He must be like, mm, little motherfucking fucking prick. Little son of a bitch. Indian Jones. Fuck you. <laughs> Sorry, that I'm kind of stealing that impression from um from Ralph Garman from the uh Hollywood Babylon podcast. Um but there's there is no other way to do Harrison Ford. <laughs> That's just he's just a mumbling kind of stoned guy most of the time. But yeah, I just thought it was hysterical. Like he must be going on. What what the fuck what the fuck? Where's my Oscar? Have none none of you ever seen the films that I'm in, Air Force One? Anyway, keep going. You know what? That's the only Harrison Ford film I've seen that's not Star Wars. Air Force One. Have you not seen any Indiana Jones movies? Oh, shit. No, I have. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, we need to stop the podcast immediately <laughs> yeah. if that's the case, because that's that's my only... If you haven't seen those, we can't be friends. No, that's not true. It's not true at all. I um, actually hate the first three, but I love the fourth one. That's the best one. You look, mate. If you if you mess with the bull, you're gonna get the horns. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> talk about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. You can suck my taint. <laughs> I mean, actually, you know, on rewatch, I got the Blu-rays of that a couple of years ago. I was it was the first year of the pandemic. You know, it's like where you're able to order stuff online. It's like, come to my house, please. Good things to make me feel better. So I got that, and um, me and my fiance went through them all and. On 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 rewatching, you know that that movie is is no better or worse than than you know uh, uh, anything else that was coming out at that time. Um, it just it did a disservice to those characters because it was such a huge swath of time in between them, um, and and uh, you know just relied too heavily on on poor early two thousands CG work and stuff. Whereas the other ones are really practical for the most part. Um, and I love those movies. They're like they're my Indiana Jones is my favorite like movie character or my favorite movie hero kind of thing. Um, I'd be happy if they honestly recast and, and just started telling other, other stories. Um, but anyway, we're getting way off the point of the Oscars here. Sorry. You were saying, um, you know, you predicted the sweep being Fablemans, but then everything ever all at once started happening and it got, um, Kiho Kwan won first. And then you were trying to say something else. Yeah. Uh, so we got, we got Kiho Kwan as best supporting actor. Then we had best editing, which is insane because the editors of that film literally <laughs> learned everything from fucking YouTube. Yeah, that's that's makes perfect sense, man. That's how that's how the younger generation of filmmakers are getting their chops. They're, they're, they're learning stuff on the Internet. That's what it's there for. It's a fucking resource. And, and, and you know, God bless them. That's that's awesome that, that if they're able to hone skills with learned knowledge, like what an amazing bona fide to work in and go, walk in and go, no, I taught myself fucking everything. Good on them. And then we got uh, best director. We got best support. Best, yes. Best, best directors. Um, we got best supporting actress, best actress. Mm. And then best picture. Incredible. Incredible feats. Amazing work on everybody's part. I did really like that film. It wasn't my favorite film of that year. It was yours because I remember you telling me about it. But, um, and, uh, you know, there was other things that I enjoyed more, but I did really enjoy it. I did want to sp- speak on on, on the, the, the Jamie Lee Curtis of it for a second. Did she deserve it over the other people? I don't know because I haven't seen those other films, all of those other films. 
um, to, to, to have a, a, an opinion. But the, it's a career award. Like, they do that all the fucking time. Scorsese got one for The Departed. Denzel Washington got one for Training Day when he should have got it for fucking um, Malcolm X. Like, this happens sometimes. So the Oscars are often political, you know. And an, an older woman in, in you know, the... the uh, not the twilight of her career, but, you know, maybe the middle of her career or towards the end of the middle of her career. You know, it's good. It's good. It, it feels good to have her win. And she had a great speech about her parents winning Oscars at different times and all that stuff. And I was literally scrolling through. Instagram's a fucking toilet sometimes, honestly. I was scrolling through the other day and someone was like, oh, you know, another fucking Nepo baby. A fucking Nepo baby. Like, would you, would you everybody just drop that fucking, like, that way of speaking for starters, like that phrase is, it's so like internet, it's so clickbaity and, and, and fucking, uh, I just, I can't stand it. Like, has anybody ever not been helped by their parents? Like in, in, in some, in career, like if you have a good relationship with your parents and if they brought you up, you know, in a, in a happy home and all that kind of stuff, like that's what parents fucking do. Like my generation of, of, uh, uh, um, people, our parents, when they got married, they were given things like, you know, stocks or deposits or, or plots of land to, to, to either sell or build on or whatever. It's, it's, it's trickle down. It's like the, the generation after you should do better than the one before. And that's what that is. Is that nepotunistic? I don't know. But like Jamie Lee Curtis is, she's not fucking 19 and, and had like, this was her first movie or something and everyone's just going off of her name. She's built a career herself. She started when she was like 17 or something or 18 when she was in Halloween. And, and, and she has built a career of incredible performances, whether it's you're thinking about the Halloween movies or fucking um, A Fish Called Wanda, True Lies, uh, you know, um, Knives Out, this. Like Nepo Baby, it's just you. It's just people wanting to get, do that negative thing because it gets more attention, whether someone's combating you at it or agreeing you about it. So just... Fucking give it up. Nepotism is, is, and it's not like we were talking about it before. It's like, you know, okay, Max Landis, the screenwriter, does his name help his screenplays get produced? Probably because they're not good. And he's also a fucking piece of shit. Um, and, and that's, that's nepotism. I, I feel George Bush, the second, you know, a D grade level student, you know, gets the presidency as a fucking graduation present. That's nepotunistic. Absolutely. Jamie Lee Curtis has earned that Oscar, whether it was for that performance or not. So maybe everybody on the internet, you can shut up. And if you have a problem with that, you can stop listening. Because I, I just, it's just so disrespectful to somebody who has worked really hard to get where she is. Um, as a woman being cast in movies over the age of 35, she's also a rare, rare bird. So fuck you, Jamie Lee rules. Fuck yeah. Sorry about that. Absolutely not. Because we did commit to doing mostly positive stories, you know, a few episodes ago. But I just, I had to speak on that. I had to speak on that. Yeah. Sometimes it's necessary to tell the people to shut the fuck up. Sometimes it is necessary to tell people to shut the fuck up. And I'm going to do it again. I'm sorry. There's one more story I want to talk about. Um, you know, I know we're going a bit long on the on the the uh, the nerd news, but this is important. <sighs> The Writers Guild of America has officially approved movies written by AI to go into production. Under a new proposal, screenwriters could use AI as a tool but maintain their full writing credit on the film. Go fuck yourselves. That is 
that is such an enormous insult to any writer ever. And and I had read that story while I was sitting in the fucking audience watching uh, the Australian Ballet's production of Don Quixote, a, a, a piece of literature that was written in fucking 1605. You fucking scumbags. Like, that is just... That is a, a way to get scripts done quickly and, and, and with absolutely no talent for writing involved and, and to get movies into production to make money. And it has nothing to do with art, nothing to do with representation of, of, of um, writers in particular, but artists in general. Imagine being an actor walking on set knowing the words that are coming out of your mouth are written by a fucking computer. Like... Did no one see Terminator? I know what happens after this. Everybody gets robot arms and it's apocalypse. So fuck you, Writers Guild. Um, that is the most insensitive decision uh, that I've, I've, I've heard about since they removed the fucking cinematography award from the Oscars. They did? Well, from the broadcast. Well, from the broadcast. Well, they tried to. Remember it was like last year or something and they tried to do that for time and Martin Scorsese was like, you can get fucked. I'm Martin Scorsese. And they were like, oh, okay, we better put it back. Where the, fuck, where the fuck did Martin Scorsese come from? Greg Fraser on well, he, he Well, no, when when he when they said that, when they were like, we're going to remove these oh, awards okay. from the broadcast, one of them was director of photography and he was like, or cinematography, and he was like, you can't do that. Like, there are three people you know, on a film who are like the triangle by which everything happens. It's the director at the top, the writer at the bottom corner, and the cinematographer at the other bottom corner. And then they're the first part of the pyramid. Um and and you remove one of those things and the whole thing collapses, like, or if one of them's bad at it, and it, or if one of them's a fucking robot, like, you know. And I, I could take personal insult because I consider myself a writer. I've worked on plenty of screenplays, and you know, I'm, I'm working on a couple right now. The idea that 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 a, a piece of software could get a look in before something that I've worked on really really hard and care about and thought about and developed characters and themes and plot and built sequences and you know put my heart and soul into it when a fucking you know i robot can do it blow me fucking blow me that was rant number two i'm done now i finished my rants <laughs> sorry about that i have another story though for nerd news oh good two. awesome i want to hear about it yeah um so netflix is bringing back uh mighty Morphin power rangers what for a 30 year long reunion of the characters not the cast the characters okay okay so is uh, the 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 idea of the show is it just going to be like a continuation or is it like a new series altogether so it is a continuation we it's not exactly where we pick up after Mar- mighty Morphin power rangers ends um but there are characters from that show that are appearing and uh it's it looks insane. They're like drone, uh, drone action sequences with like updated costumes and updated VFX, and uh, it it fucking blew my mind when I saw that trailer. Because I have to look it up. Because Power Rangers has been it hit me right when it had to. I was at the exact yeah. age where where all the shit was blowing up before like it could blow up the world. It was blowing up like six year old children. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. just fucking. Yeah. It was a it was a phenomenon, like in the same way that Ninja Turtles was or Transformers. And uh, yeah, they have uh, they have the Green Ranger in it, and uh, we don't know what's gonna happen because uh, Jason David Frank, who played the Green Ranger, 
he's no longer with us. He died last he year. He passed away, yeah. yeah. And uh, it's uh, it's going to be hard because from, from that version of Power Rangers, he was my favorite because he, he started off as a bad guy and then he came in and he... He, he became the good guy and then he became the elite. He, he had a fucking green dragon that he used to ride and a fucking yeah. uh, dagger. He was the white ranger for a while too, if I remember correctly. He was. And then he became the the first elite one to ever go from from one singular color to two colors to then a, his main color, which is green and then golden with it. it yeah. Yeah, it's it's full nerd talk, I know, but it's uh, no, it's it's called it's called nerd news for a reason. <laughs> Shit, yeah. <laughs> but well, that's cool. I mean, they they tried with a movie a few years ago. Um, Lizard of the Banks was Rita Repulsor in it and stuff, and it didn't really catch. That's weird because that was like that's that's Power Rangers at its core, man. That that film fucking got it. Like yeah, it they had everything that a Power Rangers films need, and like they fucking had it. It's just people who are who grew up with that show thought that, you know, this IP should be taken in a certain certain way. It should be more serious. It's not. Power Rangers is cheesy and funny and over the top, and it's fucking awesome. That's yeah. how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be colorful, brightful, fucking. Weird as dinosaurs combining into one giant robot, fight fighting a golden angel with molten lava and shit. That's what it's supposed to be, and that's what the film had. And we never got a sequel, but we've always had the movie and the yeah. sh- and the shows, which are like 50, 50 something shows with like SPD and fucking Ninja Fury, and it's going on with teenagers now. And Netflix yep. has got the rights and everything. I just I wanted to say that because. As someone who grew up with Power Rangers and then like left off and now seeing my younger brother who's who's at that age getting into Power Rangers, it's it's something that's very magical to see him to go all the, the morphing moves. All the morphin moves. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, that's that's beautiful, man. You know, one generation passing on their culture to another, hopefully not written by a fucking iPhone. Anyway, we're going to move forward from that and we're going into a positive positive place because we're talking about Ted Lasso. Fantastic, fantastic uh, Apple TV Plus show uh, created by Jason Sudeikis and um, uh, Brendan Hunt and also the creator of Scrubs, whose name escapes me. Do you know his name? Uh, no. We care about him. We're sorry we forgot his name. Two seasons uh, f- finished. The third one is currently rolling on Apple TV Plus. Two episodes down. I mean, where where to begin? Honestly, like, it, what a what a what an incredible piece of television that that that, that this is. And uh, you know, when I said at the front, it's like the British version of The Office had a baby with The West Wing. It's true because it has the 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 cheekiness and the sharpness that The Office had, but it's also got some real serious drama. I mean, Sudeikis and, and the cast were were recently at the White House um, to talk to the president and his and uh, the the um, Mrs. President, what have you called her? <laughs> call the wife of the president? I don't know. Uh, the Joe Biden, the first wife. lady. The first lady, thank you, Mrs. <laughs> president. What a dick! All right, that's going to be next year's stupidest thing I've said. Um, uh, yeah, they were recently uh, at the White House to talk about mental illness, and it does cover that a lot. Um, you know, the, the lead character of Ted Lasso does suffer from panic attacks and anxiety, um, and 
yeah, it's just I I really don't know where to start. It's 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 so unexpectedly charming. And and there's there's this weird thing to it. I was watching the episode last night and it's got something that a lot of other shows, you know, drama or comedy or otherwise try to do but don't get right. Or not don't get right, don't do as successfully as this. They set up um, antagonistic characters, um, whether that's um, Rebecca, um, uh, uh, Hannah Waddingham, or um, Roy, uh, Brett Goldstein, um, or, you know, currently in, in the new season, it's it's the woman who works for Keeley. Uh, the Juno Temple's character has her own PR firm and is a woman who works for her. And they set up these antagonistic characters and, and our heroes, ch- like, help them find... Uh, a compassion and, and and joy and understanding and it's not like it's not like in the office or, or or something like that where it's kind of like a real butting of heads and there's there might be an altercation or whatever and that doesn't happen it's just they wear down these people and these people start to open up and express and heal themselves because they're surrounded by basically it's you know um uh, 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 ted lasso's character um and uh, played by jason today because obviously and keely's character end up having a, a, a warming effect on everybody, the entire team, um, you know, and uh, uh, Johnny Rojas as well. He, he's one of those characters too. Danny um, Rojas. He's my favorite. What did I say? Johnny Rojas. What is it? It's Danny. Danny Rojas. Danny Rojas. Danny Rojas. He just runs around screaming his name, which is fantastic. But yeah, it has that effect on, on the characters and it also has that effect on you. Like I feel better after I've watched an episode of this. Even even the stuff that's hard to watch, you know, the stuff with Nate, um, uh, uh, who who you know, in the obviously we're going to spoil some stuff. So if you haven't seen it, you might want to go and watch it and come back. But you know, he over the course of the second season becomes a villain, um, in in a in a really huge way. And um, I'm just gonna sorry, just want to find um that actor's name. Um, sorry, uh, Nick Muhammad, um, plays Nathan. Uh, just such a, a beautiful, interesting arc for him. Um, and we'll get to, to a specific part for him when we get to sort of favorite lines and favorite moments um, with him is a, a, there's a really beautiful moment that, that with an altercation between him and Ted, which is different than a normal altercation. Again, it's like, it should be really antagonistic on both sides, but it isn't like Ted's very understanding. But so that was, I said, my introduction to the show was my, my, my friend Tyler and Jess and they got me into it. How did you find out about it? Did we talk about it or what happened? No, I think we talked. I think we talked about it like last year when when you were watching it. I was like, "Oh yeah," because I didn't know if you if you had watched it or not. Yeah, yeah. I think you might have asked me, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm just getting into it now." And I, I did the first season twice in the space of a couple of weeks because I'd started it when my fiance was in Sydney on tour with the ballet, and then she came back, and I was like, "We have to fucking watch this show." Like it'll just. And the other thing about it as well. Sorry if I'm running rough shot over here. Any any what you were saying were you, were you finished then yeah go on i've had two cups of coffee and i did a workout before we started and it's only fucking midday now <laughs> it's a lot i'm on i'm on transmit there's a great line in um in john wick last night that uh donnie yen's character said uh, it might be it might be a proverb of some sort but you know whatever um it's uh the fool talks the fool talks the coward remains silent, but the wise man listens. Clearly, I'm a fool. <laughs> Clearly, I'm 100% fool because I never shut up. Anyway, 
the thing that this has, as opposed to most sitcoms, because I mean, it is kind of a sitcom. It is a, it is a contained area. There are a bunch of sets that you go back to all the time. It's a situation comedy, um, but it's shot like a movie. And that's the reason I have Apple TV is because they, their, their level of, of image quality, um, you know, that they, they, they stream in 4K on 4K TVs. They clearly shoot things in 8 to 12K. Um, just beautiful, beautiful. The best um, uh, 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 digital um, uh, capturing that you can get, you know, uh, because a lot of the times, you know, you watch a film or whatever and then you watch a, something on digital and you're like, fuck, there's no blacks here at all. Like, there's no corners. So well um, photographed, um, all of the stuff that they do. And... and, and <sighs> They they also this isn't an ad for Apple TV Plus sorry but their stuff is is better because they it's all um, creator driven um, it's really unusual like there's a lot of stuff on there that's not not typical like Ted Lasso is not yeah. that's a weird sell absolutely you know? um, almost you know borderline obnoxious with his uh, positivity uh, Texan um, uh, uh, you know uh, football coach goes to the UK and tries to fit into a UK sitcom, you're like, that's not going to work. I remember thinking that, and it fucking does. Um, you know, the other show, another show I watched in there, um, Bad Sisters, about the, the you know, group of, I think it's five or six sisters whose one of the husbands is really horrible. And it starts with his, the first episode starts with his his funeral. And then it goes back and shows that these girls were trying to kill him the whole time. And it's got all these flashbacks and stuff. And, you know, just The Shining Girls, which is like a time-traveling serial killer movie, like a TV show. They're just doing really interesting shit. And, and, and Ted's a, a prime example of it. And, you know, talk about diversity as well. Like, um, you know, and you have to these days. That's okay. Um, it, it's, it, it's not woke. Um, and even if it is, it's the positive version of that, not the part that's been hijacked by people. Um, you know, who, who use it to do harm. But yeah, okay, so your lead is, or your two mains, you know, uh, in, in Coach Beard and Ted Lasso, uh, are white cis men as far as I understand. But, uh, you know, you've got really strong female characters in, in um, Rebecca and Keely um, who, who overcome um, the, the, uh, the relationships which have stifled them, uh, which is just great. Got someone like Roy who's, you know, a hard man, hard British man, you know, kind of thing and playing soccer and stuff, but he's also <sighs> extremely sweet and yeah, a lot of growling. He's also extremely sweet and loving. You know, his relationship with his niece is is, is adorable. You've got, yeah, you've got tons of people of color, um, whether it's uh, Sam Obisanya or Nathan um, or Edward Akufu, who's in one of my favorite <laughs> episodes where he tries to get Obisanya to come and play for him. I fucking shit on you. I shit on you. He didn't shit on you. Like just beautiful performance um yeah it's just there's a lot of really the characters are there right away like you're you're in as soon as you're on the first episode you know who everybody is you know the score with everybody and everybody's got their their arc set up and and we're we're off to the races and then it just develops so naturally and so beautifully from there um yeah really incredible writing yeah the writers the writers room for this show is incredible like do you know the story about Brett Goldstein, how he got the part of Roy Kent? No. Oh, okay. Because he, he is a writer on some of the eps, I'm pretty right. sure, or I, at least an assistant editing writer. Yep. I love telling the story. So he was he was in the writer's room, and they were writing Roy and everything, and uh, they were going on for auditions, and they couldn't find the right Roy Kent. And uh, 
he taped his audition and sent it to the creators and said, if this is bad, pretend that you didn't get this and we'll never talk about it. <laughs> well, that's so clever. Because it could be, like, particularly him, it could be very caricaturish. Yeah. You know? And he, he just said that he that he got it. Like, he's that he got Roy Kent. And it, mm. it fucking shows, like... The whole the whole show is the best way I can describe it is that it's a warm hug. Even if even if there are like parts that are hard to watch, that mm. it's it still feels like a warm hug and it like I've been watching it and I've been rewatching it like every time you rewatch it because it's it's short episodes and it's like like I don't know, ten episodes per season. It's it's a yeah. really quick and a really like heartwarming rewatch like every time every time i rewatch i'm like oh fuck i want to i want to like start again and watch it like every two three months but mm. i've been so engrossed by just the promotion material that all of my youtube algorithm is just ted lasso interviews <laughs> it's fucked up your game yeah i get that but yeah i mean the the main thing about the show was that it or the main thing that stuck with me was that it it broke the trope of doing comedy by insulting people. Oh, that's such a beautiful way to put it, man. That's so, so true. Because they are absolutely against that almost. You know, there's no jokes at people's expense like that. So much so that in the episode that happened last night, um, you know, when, when Keely is speaking to her, um, I'm sorry, I don't know the actress's name because she's, she's sort of newer to the piece. Um, who plays, you know, someone who works at her PR firm, dresses down her friend who she's just given a job. She's like, you've just given an ex-model with no um, uh, uh, education a, a job that doesn't exist, you know? And she goes in and goes, you can't talk to people like that. And then you see all those snow globes and you're like, oh, she gets sent everywhere, you know, because she's like, oh, they give me one where every, every place I go when I work for a new firm and there's like a hundred snow globes. So clearly she's not liked, you know, because she keeps getting moved around. And Keely then is like, you know, like as she's walking out the door, she's like, um, you know, she says this will be the, the the name of your friends. You know, she'll be the customer consultant or whatever. That's an actual job. She goes, oh, that's good because I don't know if you realize, but the one that I said before I made up and shuts the door and you just, and she gets a little smile like, yeah, like healing with kindness or, or combating combating um, uh, uh, scorn and 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 judgment with kindness, uh, as opposed to smacking someone in the face or um, you know even that episode which is just centered around beard, like after they lose the game oh, and, and he walks be- beard off after and it's hours. just he, yeah he, beard after hours and it's just his adventure going around and ending up at that woman's place. It was like a film noir, um, but funny. And, you know, the guy chases after him and gives him his phone back. And then the end of it, I guess one of my favorite moments, so I'll talk about it later. But at the end of it, he just, he meets up with his girlfriend. He meets up with Jane and, and they just start dancing in that club and he's just having such a great time. Like that's, again, that could be a really intense, gritty episode about this guy who feels lost and goes out and gets his ass handed to him and, and, you know, goes through all, all these misadventures. And at the end of it, it's him sitting, you know, bleeding and bloody on a fucking park bench or something, John Wick style. But it's at the end of it, it's him dancing with the woman that he, he can't help but love, despite the fact that they're fucking kind of toxic for each other, you know? Yeah. And uh, 
the, the story that the cast tells about the show is that the, when they shot the first season, it was in a, it was in a bubble, and they, they were really happy with what they shot, but they knew that nobody would ever watch this. So they were just happy that they got to meet these bunch of people and, you know, they got to go over London and make this show. And I think this show's success is why we need to get back weekly television. Because Ted Lasso was a very, very slow burn that grew in popularity because of word of mouth. Yep. And it, it grew so much in popularity that not only did it, not only did it get the whole cast to season two, but also gave them more confidence that this type of show could work, that that a comedy about just people being positive could work in this world that is just fucked up in so many places. Mm. And season one came out like mid uh, pandemic. It came out like it's the most perfect scenarios that we've ever been as audiences consuming a show because at that time, I think the whole world needed some 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 of Ted Lasso. And we got to see this character grow and we got to see so many arcs form and so many characters just be humans, you know? Like mm. I I go back and rewatch some episodes of The Office and I just I don't I don't connect with them as much as I did before because I have Ted Lasso and it's just every time there's a joke on somebody's expense, it doesn't it doesn't feel right. The joke, the, like the the, this is almost the anti-office. It's it's it is the the um, uh, uh, antithesis of of that of Ricky Gervais's style of comedy, which is very sort of antagonistic and intentionally so. Um, and, and this doesn't do that. And and I'm just I'm just reminded of uh, you know uh, from last night a scene where <clears throat> Roy has a problem because um, uh, um, Trent Krim from the Independent has uh is going to be writing a book on on the team in this season and um roy's character has a real problem with with uh that and and doesn't explain why and then you know he tells the rest of the team not to not to listen to um, not to talk to him uh, not to talk to trent and at the end of the episode ted takes roy aside and goes um look i don't know what your beef is with um trent but i need you to order off the vegan menu and squash it and 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 he goes because it's holding us up. Do you understand? And and it's really it's it's stern, but it's soft. And then it comes out and it finds out that you know when um he Roy was seventeen and had played his first game. Trent wrote a really scathing review of him, and and said that you know he's he's overhyped and he's not actually a good player and blah blah. And he goes, I was seventeen. That broke my heart. And he's like. I was trying to be edgy and make a name for myself. I'm sorry. Like people have problems in this shit that they fucking work out because you know what, folks? That's what people do. Like you can't you, holding on to grudges and and ill feeling towards people. It muddies your spirit. You have to work at getting over that stuff, even if it means that those relationships aren't repaired. Um, you know, if they don't end up being friends throughout the rest of this season, that's totally fine. They squashed what the problem was. They squashed it. They had a squash. Yep. Squashes are delicious. But you know what I'm saying? Like it just it, it deals with things in the most profoundly um, uh, 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 and fundamentally self-aware way. Where if you if you have the understanding of self, you know the way that that Ted Lasso does in this in this show, despite the fact that he has a broken marriage, despite the fact that he's on another continent doing a job he's not really sure how to do, but making the goddamn best of it and dealing with a mental illness, dealing with something that is is physiological as well as psychological, 
and still comes in every day and gives his his manager those biscuits and turns her from being a very angry, very bitter ex-wife into a superhero. Um, like her her dealing with uh, the fantastic um, Anthony Stewart head uh, 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 who plays um, uh, you know her ex-husband who now owns West Ham, Rupert. He's he's wonderful as a villain, just so so great. But to see her change the way that she deals with him. You know, again, in the episode uh, last night where they're both vying for that one particular um, football player to come and join their team and, and she tells a story about how he came in even though he was married, came into the bar she was working at and, and you know, wooed her over time and she's like, because he chose me, I thought I was special. And he's and she's like, that's what he's doing down there. And they have that conversation and he, she's like, oh, I'm surprised you bought West Ham. I thought that Richmond was your only love. And he goes, well, I'm like any man. I get tired of the same old thing. Like he's so... Sp- smarty and just a real prick and she's like fuck this and she walks into the bathroom and and shouts at that football player and is like you're a coward you know for going with people who you know you can win with like you won't even take a chance that you're you're as good as you say you are which maybe you're not to see ted to be able to to have an effect on people like that while he's dealing with something as as debilitating and and um and serious as as panic attacks and anxiety you know gives anybody hope because let's face it we've all got low-grade anxiety people this is a tough world sometimes and there's a lot of things in the way you know it's sisyphusian in, in, in a lot of ways we're constantly pushing that boulder up the hill only to have it roll back down over top of us um and and if you can attack life with with ted lasso's credo his thought process of of um you know uh being being curious not judgmental and 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 having kindness be the only currency of, of any value um, and if you could take that away from a, a show that also makes you fucking piss your pants and has some really good music in it by the Mumford and Sons fella, that's beautiful. That's wonderful. Yeah. It's uh, the best way I can put it as just an overview of the show is it's a show that every person needs. Yeah. Everybody needs a bit of Ted. And yeah, I mean, like the whole arc with Jamie from season one to season two and just the, the coinciding arcs of how uh, Jamie goes through all of those changes to end up back at Richmond, and for Roy Kent to to have suffered an injury to retire to to go do something that he thought he might like, and then realizing that what he loves is just football, and going mm. back to Richmond again, and that that episode where he goes back to Richmond is is an homage to all rom coms where. And it's with Roy Kent, but instead of like, like uh, a heterosexual relationship, it's a, it's Roy Kent and Ted Lasso, and Ted Lasso trying to just, just have him be in his uh, coaching team. Yeah, which ultimately alienates Nate. Yeah. You know, and that becomes another problem. Like you, could, there are no threads here that that get dropped. Like everything ties up so neatly. It's beautiful, beautiful writing that are fucking computer couldn't do i'm gonna get off it i'm gonna get off it so i want to ask you um what was the what was the the moment where you knew okay this show's for me like this is this is going to be something that i'm gonna i'm gonna watch and enjoy because i know there's two specific moments that happened in the first episode that got me um for me it was the introduction of roy kent because i i love roy kent like, he's here. He's there. He's, he's every, every fucking, fucking where. Right. Right. So good. Those idiots in the bar. Spectacular. Spectacular side characters. 
Um, because I know people like Roy Kent. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, not to a point where they fucking grow, but to a point where they, they could. But, yeah. So, what's his introduction? Remind me. Um, I think his introduction is just, uh, like, Ted coming in as the coach and, like, everyone just disregarding him. And uh, Roy Kent, while being this hairy werewolf of a man, sorry. He is. Uh, he shuts up everyone and t- uh, tells him to, to listen to Ted Lasso, even though he doesn't, like, uh, connect with him at first and... Uh, takes him a, like a whole lot till like probably the end of season two until he comes back around and uh, uh, joins the coaching team of Richmond that he's like on board with everything that Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso like provides the team with. Mm. And it's just, it's a, it's a spark and a start of something that just, just forms a fucking beautiful uh, arc. What was yours? In terms of their relationship? Yeah, but also like in terms of just showing the other side of Roy Kent, even though he comes off as this really scary guy. Yeah, yeah. He, but he's actually one of the softest of all the characters in the show. Um, his relationship with Keely is, is you know, prime example of that. The, the, the scene where he walks in and she's like with masturbating to him, crying, retiring. He's like, were you having a wank? <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, <laughs> and then she's like, yeah, well, he goes, it's all right. I like to have, I like to masturbate to women, have, to people having sex outside. <laughs> she's like, why? He goes, because I could never be that free. Like, what a what a magnificent understanding of self, you know? Um, but for me, the, the moment that I knew, there was two moments in the pilot episode um, and also uh, in the final episode of this first season where they all, before going out to go onto the pitch, they all go out and touch the believe. Like just that 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 got me, but the first season, the first episode, and your introduction to to um, Coach Beard and Ted, they're on the plane going over, and and they have a, a back and forth about about what's going to happen and the soccer and blah, blah blah. And he's reading the book and everything, and then he goes, um, they're both like, we should both get you know try and get some sleep. Hey, if we meet each other in our dreams, let's um, let's play a game and pretend we don't know each other. Like I was like, that's my type of nonsense. And then a little bit, it might have been the second episode. No, it is the second episode where he comes in with the little biscuits. Yeah. And he's like, here you go. And she's like, oh my God, these are amazing. And apparently they're not. They're, they're made like by props and they taste like shit according to um, to Hanning Weddingham. Um, and uh, she keeps coming in and he, he sort of wears her down. Not wears her down, but like proves himself to be worth her time. Um, and you've got Leslie there, the fantastic Les- Leslie, who's a, I'm, I'm what they call a female junior. Like just what a spectacular character um and uh and he's like you know um i'm having you know we got to get together you know powwow and i'm having lunch with leslie later and he's like we're having salads in my office and then he walks out he goes seize you later and and ted <laughs> bursts back in through the door and frightens rebecca and he's like yes yes i was in fucking hysterics it was just the timing of it works so beautifully leslie's such a great character um yeah it was uh, that's where i was like okay this this is this is something this is something else and also the fact that ted um uh references hip-hop music all the time um you know talks about uh, um <laughs> talks about you know kanye west's um heartbreak and 818 being i think that's the name of the album um 818's in heartbreak 
uh, uh, being like you know his his most underrated album. I don't particularly like Kanye West music, but I mean that's that's a pretty seminal album. So, but yeah, just there's all these little avenues to people. There's nothing nothing sort of there's no accidents. Like these these people have been built from the ground up by the actors, by the writers, by the showrunners, and by the cast together as a group. Like the second season, the the, the romantic um, relationship between Rebecca and Obisanya is fantastic because nobody says dick about the age yep. difference. Nobody says dick about the the the, the um uh, that they're a, a mixed race couple. If that's the correct terminology, I'm sorry if it's not. Um, but you know, he he is from um uh. uh I don't want to say Trinidad, but that's not it. Where's he from? Uh, the character is from Nigeria. He's a character from Nigeria, and and, and you know she's a, she's a an affluent white British woman, you know. But it's just they have something. There's a connection there. It's really beautiful, um, you know. And there's that great great scene at the um, uh, Rebecca's father's funeral, where you know they've all got to be really sort of quiet about it or whatever. And then and then she's like. They're they're in the room and they're being really loud and 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 the priest keeps going. Would you keep down in me? And um and they they immediately guess like it's it's her friend um Ellie uh, or Sissy sorry um Ellie Taylor is the actress but but Sissy is the character. She's like oh my god it's him and blah 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 back and forth. That that also has a, a beautiful moment in that episode where she talks to her mum about she's like of course I knew he was cheating on me. She goes then I think I hate you a little bit and she's like whatever he always came home like these people are so complex um you know they're not cookie cutters of 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 characters you've seen before you you haven't seen any of these people before they're brand brand new there's parts of that last that are just it's so wholesome that it makes me cry yeah like the whole episode with coach beard it's not supposed to make you cry it's supposed to show how crazy this man's life is that this is just mm. a normal night for him this is a fucking tuesday yeah and then he wears those pants and then he runs off and then the, like the big guy hands him his phone and keys and I started crying. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's a beautiful episode. So well, so well realized. And, and, you know, I don't know why they did it. Like episodes in a bottle are always interesting to me because sometimes it, it's budgetary constraints or sometimes it's just an interesting way to do a story. And, and you, he, he, like, he's the one who gives up the least. Um, you know, it was interesting to see him develop a little bit more and, he has a few sort of key moments throughout the series where he's he's very sure of himself. He's you know he's fully formed. His politics. The only thing that sort of troubles him is maybe his romantic relationships, but he doesn't fuck around. You know, um, he knows everything. He's always prepared. Um, yeah, and to see him kind of be 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 fallible um, was 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 something else. I mean, they're all like that. Everybody gets a moment to shine. I can't talk more highly about Juno Temple. Like she's just. She's a, a She is. a great actress. She, you know, I first saw her in Killer Joe, the, the um, uh, Billy Freakin picture. Incredible performance for such a young person. She has a real energy and a real, um, uh, uh, like, spirit that's kind of, like, goes outwards. Like, as, as a human being, not as, in a, as a character. You know, she, she has a... a I don't know. You just, I just can't take my eyes off her when she's on screen. She's just, she does so much work with her face, like when she's not talking, um, you know, and she should be, you know, what she is at the beginning. She should be just a footballer's girlfriend, but she's incredibly intelligent. She's, she's um, articulate, uh, understands her feelings and the feelings of other people. Yeah. It's just uh, she's a beautiful, beautiful character to watch. And it's just great. It's all good. I can't talk more highly about the show. You've got to watch it. Get yourself an Apple TV plus subscription for a week. 
and 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 do the trial thing and Keep just binge, binge it, it and then and then and then we'll see you later you know what but wait until uh wait for another eight weeks and then the third season's finished and then get into it that's that's the way we're gonna have to do it yeah well if you binge after the third season's finished it's gonna be kind of sad because third season's the last one they're not doing any more after that no it was decided that it was gonna be three more seasons well, it's not confirmed at all that it's not continuing. They're not denying it. Mm. And well, look, you know, if that is the case, you know, it, that happened. British TV series do that. Exactly. Forty Towers was what twelve episodes in total. The The Office had you know two seasons and a special. Um, you know, that's 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 what they do. You know, um, Thin Blue Line. All these great, you know, even even something that ran for a long time like Black Adder changes time periods, you know, every season. Like it does, it's okay to, to for things to end and for you to get the most out of them. Otherwise, they end up diluting. Like you know, fucking some of those, you know, The Big Bang Theory or even Friends uh, up to a certain point. The American comedies, they just want to ring out as much as they can. But this is a good place. I think uh, now we'll, we'll, get, we'll get into like sort of some favorite favorite bits and pieces. Yeah, but I think you want to talk a bit about Nick. Yeah, well, that's going to come up All right. um, in, in one of my favorite parts. So we'll, we'll get into that. Um, should we do, we'll do favorite moments first and then we'll do favorite lines. Deal? All right. Okay. So what are your favorite moments? My, my number three is actually the introduction of Ted and uh, Coach Beard. Yeah, yeah. It's so good. It's just, you know who they are immediately. It's so well set up. And like, Coach Beard is the only one who, who like, exactly knows who Ted is. Mm. Not not like everything that's happening in his life, but he knows how to deal with when he's not he's not in his uh, when he's led Tasso, he knows how to snap him out of it. Led Tasso is hysterical. <laughs> Absolutely hysterical. That's the softest pass since my grade school homeroom teacher asked me to mow his lawn. Like <laughs> so so funny, man. Just yeah, Led Tasso is is pretty great. Yeah, what's your number three? That might be one of my favorite moments. I think. Um, well, my number three is 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 from uh, uh, um, the 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 beard episode, and it is that moment I'm talking about where he finally meets up with Jane. He's had this insane night. They just look at each other. They're so stupid in love, and they just fucking dance. Like dancing is is such a beautiful way to get shit out. Like it doesn't. You don't even have to be good at it. Like just moving your body to to music is, is such a an exorcism of negativity. And and that's what that is. Um, yeah, I, I love that moment a lot. My number, my number two would be Roy Kent giving uh, Jimmy Tart a hug after his uh, father kind of humiliates him in front of his team. They have a fight. They, yeah. they literally he he hits his dad. Yeah, um, and that's the 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 um, acting um uh phil dunster does in that moment is incredible because it's all in his eyes like he's trying to hold it together and then roy comes over and hugs him um just so so powerful uh dramatically yeah I, I, that, that's that's probably my number two as well <laughs> honestly yeah it's the first time we see roy open up in in the circle of the team mm. and it's it encourages like everyone to you know be there and support each other. And yep. if that's not the biggest lesson that this that this show, you know I don't want to use the word preaches, but just puts out in the world, 
Like, yeah. it's it's amazing to see a show do that because not a lot of not a lot of shows do, and we we need that right now. Yeah, it, you're right. It doesn't preach. It just says this is this is a, a, a an opportunity to learn something if you're willing to listen, or you can just watch this and have a laugh. Like it can be that too. Um, you know, if it, if you don't want to take on anything, it can just be fun because it's a good comedy. Um, yeah, right on. So I'm doing my number one now. Yep. My number one is the end. This last season in in um uh, sorry uh second season the last episode where Nate finally tells Ted what's been going on with him. And he's like, you know, I've done everything to get your attention. You abandoned me. You abandoned me. And 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 I think you're a fucking joke. Um, and I think you should go back to America and you should go back there and be with your son. And he says son really venomously and it cuts to a reaction shot of, like, of Ted, like Jason Sudeikis. And it is one of the most beautiful pieces of, of uh, emotional acting we've ever seen. Because that that... He brought up his family. He brought up his son. Like he's doing that to hurt him. He wants to hurt Ted. And what does Ted do? His face just drops. And he's like, oh, I've really, really hurt this guy. Like he, if he's going to if he's gonna bring up my son, if he's going to use my son to attack me, he's in a lot of pain. How horrible for him. You know, that must be so awful. I feel so bad that I didn't see this because I was too busy dealing with my, my mental illness and stuff. Um, all of that, in Jason Sudeikis' face. He doesn't have a line. He, he barely speaks in that scene. Um, incredible. Like, a tears streaming down my eyes just just watching this this confused young man who'd been given every, every opportunity by Ted, who'd been given everything and, and, and all of a sudden wasn't getting the attention that he felt that he deserved. Um, and, and, you know, like, he's got that... that do the part where, um, uh, well, I'll talk about it in the favorite lines part where Beard kind of dresses him down after he was cruel to to one of the the players. You know, uh, 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 Nathan's arc is is you know it's a, it's a fall to the dark side in, in every sense of the word, and yet Ted has the utmost sympathy and respect for this young man after he's just you know invoked his son as a way to hurt him. You, you don't get drama better than that, folks. You absolutely do not. It's it is it is the peak. If I ever write a scene even half as good as that, I'll 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 be able to retire. You know what I'm saying? So that's my number one. What's your number one? Fuck no, I'm struggling not to put that. You can put it if you wanted. We could be double double double. Oh, we already did that twice this episode. <laughs> we did it last episode too. Like we did it was you know we were talking about the the um. <sighs> some stuff so our favorite X-Men. moments in x-men stuff i can't remember what it was <laughs> the reason for it but we were like yeah that's mine too um my number one would be um just that episode of i don't know why just that episode of uh roy kent and Ted lasso and roy kent coming back to richmond as as a coach that that one is like my favorite episode so right walk out yeah, yeah. so like him like hurting his knee and then like popping it back in and then going going to like get get the ticket that that always has like his like secret name in it and like the the child the child that's like standing there recognizes him and he just growls at the, he just growls at the fucking child and he's the child has the biggest smile ever because that's that's what I can do to them that's his hero yeah, yeah. And it's, it's a beautiful like back half of that episode, you know, and it is aping the, the um the rom com thing, yeah. Yeah, 
or like Manamo or something on the same power would be like Roy Kent showing uh, the the current captain of of Richmond to to how to play and have fun with mm. with the players that he used to play with when he was a kid. Yeah. Yep. And like yeah, that's oh yeah, man, that's such a great moment. Like the episode where he, like the moment where he appears when like Ted ends and Matex like we're here and where are you? And like his phone like just pops up and he's just right there like fucking Batman. <laughs> They do do that. Like they lean into into uh, uh, you know the absurd or the non sequitur a, a, a little bit, like where things are kind of a little un, unreal. Um, but I, I, I dig that. I don't know. And then it comes back to reality. It, it it handles it nicely. Like it's a nice balance of all the different types of funny that I like. Right on. Well, let's get into favorite lines then. Um, top three. I think probably my number three would be where Roy and Keely are in the car. Um, and he's talking about that he's what he's going to do, and he's like, I'm making you cold on blur tonight. Nigella says if I butterfly the chicken, it'll be more moist. And Keely's like, I don't know what's sexier, the fact that you just invoked Nigella or that you said moist. Absolutely hysterical. Like, just <laughs> playing to the strengths of both of those characters so beautifully well. It was, it was great. <laughs> Also, that's that's a fucking amazing impression of Roy Kent. <laughs> oh, I do all right. Yeah, I've got I've got a good Roy in my bag. I wish I could do the rest of them, honestly. Guys, I love I love Sudeikis's Texan accent because it should be annoying. Like that's that's the kind of American you hear on on holiday somewhere, you know, in a in a really loud in a museum, you know, pointing at the pointing at you know the statue of David, going, I can see his penis, like that kind of thing. But it's 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 really sweet, and the mustache works for me. I don't know, it's all it's all very very good. Yeah. Next, what's your what's your number three? Uh, my number three would be, I don't know. Because this this one works like a moment as well. I just say okay. it's yeah. it's uh, Rebecca saying, "Are you okay, Ted?" But it's it's like when he walks out of the when he walks out of the karaoke uh, thing where she's singing "Let It Go." And oh man, what a fucking amazing voice know, too! Jesus, I was making my brother watch it, and when she sang, because I had the same reaction. My mouth was like, I was like, "Holy shit!" It just came out of left field, man. And then my brother had the same reaction. He like his mouth went fucking bananas, and he was like, "Holy shit!" It's too cute, man. It's too cute. Yeah. Just yeah. What a, what a beautiful, stately, gorgeous woman she is. You know, with, with so much fucking energy. I love her. Great actress. All right. What's your number two? Um, number two for me is um, when it's Ted, uh, Keely, Rebecca, and uh, Jamie, and they're all standing outside. And, and, and Rebecca's going to her car and it's like, would you rather be a lion or a panda? And he's, he's like, you know, I'll be a panda of this. And he asks Jamie and he's like, why would I want to be anything else? I'm me. And, and Ted goes, I don't think you understand how psychologically healthy that actually is. <laughs> because it's kind of like, it's kind of recognizing the fact that Jamie's a bit of a mimbo, but also giving him props for being like, you are altogether awesome at the moment. Like, you know, it's just, yeah, what a, what a beautiful moment. I forgot that one. <laughs> yeah, that's it's probably episode one or two, I reckon. Like, I just, some of those caught me real early, you know. Yeah. Oh, God, you reminded me. Oh, my God. Okay. My number two is 
Roy Kent, shirtless outside of Richmond, doing an impression of Ted Lasso with doing he's doing the fucking dance. He's like, "Hi, right, yeah. I'm Ted Lasso with, with my cowboy hat and pew pew." <laughs> <laughs> and Keely's like, "That was dead on, by the way." <laughs> so good, so good. Um, okay, so my number one is uh, you know it's something that I've I've taken on. Um, a lot, and I, I I think about it all the time, and it's when they're playing darts. Him and Rupert are playing darts, and Rupert has been horrible and and cruel and sexist and just slimy as fuck to his ex wife with the with the current wife there, um, and he's like, you know, hey, let's keep it civil, like that kind of thing, and uh, and he whoops his ass at darts after you know saying everybody's always underestimated me. Um, you know, I was dropping my son off at school one day and. Uh, you know, outside the school, it's had a, at the Walt Whitman quote, um, be curious, not judgmental. You know, a curious person would ask, Ted, have you ever played darts before? And I would say, yes, every Sunday afternoon with my dad from the ages of nine to 16 when he passed away. And that's also the moment that Rebecca realizes that Ted lost lost his dad. And we find it out too. And you see her reaction of like, oh, I didn't know that about him. Um, and then he whoops his ass at the darts. Just amazing what a, what a beautiful credo to take into the world because it's so easy to be judgmental especially now like in an online space we we're talking about it before with the whole fucking that nepo baby term that people seem to be toting around a lot at the moment just it's so easy to do that it's so easy to fall back into that because and, and all it comes down to is either jealousy or misunderstanding you know it's people going i want what they have it's it's fomo like that's that's what it is instead of going wow, I'm so glad that this person that I either know or don't know is doing really well for themselves. They deserve it. It's about why not me, which is so fucking obnoxiously selfish. Um, and that is the the exact opposite to everything Ted Lasso is as a character. So I love that moment. But it's also equaled with the story that he tells about his dad when he's in the therapy session, session with um, Dr. Sharon, uh, played by Sarah Niles. Uh, fantastic character and fantastic scene again another person who starts out as antagonistic and and ends up becoming more because of her relationship with these people um and he's talking about his he didn't read the book his dad stays up all night reads the book for him explains to him the whole thing on the drive to school and the kid and he got an a for the assignment and he's like my dad i was always you know angry at him for, for abandoning me for leaving me because his, his father killed himself and he's like I, I think he struggled with a lot i don't think he knew that he was uh, like, I don't think he thought he was a good person, but he was a good dad. And I should have told him more. I hope that he knew that he was a good dad. Cause if he did, maybe he would have, he would have stuck around a bit longer. I was bawling my eyes out and I messaged my dad and I was like, look, man, I love you. I say it all the time. I say it every time we speak, but I don't think I've ever said you're a good dad and you are, you're, you're a good dad. And I appreciate you. If, if that's, if that's a real, and maybe I'm a softy and I don't give a fuck. Like I'm a super emotional person. And, and if you think that that's soft, or, or not masculine or whatever the fuck if I'm a I'm, I'm a, a wuss or a wimp come at me I couldn't give a fucking shit I'm, I'm very very comfortable with who I am as a human being and other people's opinions don't even hold the weight of sunlight like it's just these things get to me and 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 you have to express these things to people every opportunity you can because you never know the minute you never know when it's all up you know and if and if I hadn't have said that to my dad he would have never heard it and that that's that would have been a shame for both of us. So it's a beautiful, beautiful program and, and, and it's meant a lot to me and it's, it's made me want to be a better person. Full stop. 
What's your number one? My number one is from my favorite episode. And it's... You had me at coach. And <laughs> and, and it's, a, it's a reaction of uh, Coach Beard saying... <gasps> yes, <laughs> <Just> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a great reactor. Um, Brendan Hunt, like he's a great, he's great at like dealing with like last night where they kept saying the guy's, yeah. like, the footballer's name. <laughs> like he's just, he's got such a way about him. So there it is, folks. Uh, Ted Lasso, do go and check it out. It's on uh, Apple TV Plus. Big Boa and Steel, just find a way to see this show because your life will be better for it. It will be enriched for it. And that's uh, what more can you ask for from your art that you consume. But before we go, um, we're going to do some questions. Do we have any questions? have some questions i don't know why i did that love questions it's you know it's good that's fucking poor blood axe walking around looking for his baby anyway questions so these are ted lasso questions i take it uh yeah yeah ted lasso okay. questions. let's do it Alright, number one. Thoughts on Roy and Keeley's breakup. I'm okay with it. I think I think relationships need to develop in, in inside these stories and it's not like a Ross and Rachel thing where it's like will they won't they off in off again off again kind of thing. Like people in the workplace split up, you know, and, and relationships don't work and they both came to the realization that that's happened. Yeah, no, I'm I'm okay with it. I'm interested to see where that takes them. I I, I think Roy might get together with the teacher at the school that he keeps flirting with. And Keely's going to go on and she, she she doesn't need someone right now. She's going to go on and, you know, build a powerful career and maybe Jamie's going to rise to the occasion, be a better man. Or maybe she's just going to be a boss-ass bitch. Maybe she's just going to be a boss-ass bitch, which is totally cool also. I like that they actually sat down and explained it to uh, Roy's niece. Mm. Yeah, that was sweet. Yeah, and I think that like, was... Why would I want to hang out with you? It's like, it's those kind of like conversations that need to have that need to happen more because mm. I think a lot of people get caught up in the in the delusion that like if you bring up something that's caused you pain all it's going to do is cause you pain where that conversation might just get you closure yeah it's about and, healing yeah it's about healing perfectly yeah. put my friend oh well, thank you I'm I'm a writer not a fucking <laughs> Not a fucking what a, what a, a robo sapien doing everybody's work for him. Um, okay, uh, question number two. Um, yeah, question number two. What do you think about the season two, episode ten? Uh, it was emotional and great. Editing was amazing when when they said in nineteen ninety one. So this is cutting between Rebecca's story and Ted's story. Both of them happened on September one, nineteen ninety one. Mm. Or September something, nineteen ninety one, and they yeah. sh- they they show both the stories at the same time. They're intercutting with it. I mean, that's like cross cutting is such a, a a wonderful way to create a connection between characters and 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 between themes as well. Like you know, because both of them have have those uh, have loss, uh, but in different different ways. You know, and relationships with their fathers that you know can be forming in different ways for men and for women you know and and and, and non-binary as well like it's just the, the way that you relate to a father is different than the way you relate to a mother you know it's just just a fact um yeah it's one of the strongest episodes of of, of dramatic tv um that i've ever seen it was yeah the whole second season was just 
outstandingly good. Like the first season's great, but the second one, knew, they had all the toys that they needed, like in terms of understanding the characters and the themes, like they had, everything was on the table and they were like, okay, let's just pick the best bits that go with the best bits and we've got all the options in the world. It was like a fucking salad bar. So I'm going to have some rocket and some goddamn kale and a, and a fucking some se- pumpkin seeds and a goddamn, you know, some 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 chicken fingers, what, whatever you enjoy in your You're salad. You're vegan. Why are you having chicken fingers? I know, fingers? but no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You know, I'm just saying people like chicken fingers apparently or what are the things that you like? Nuggies. <laughs> yeah. Chicken McNuggies. Which reminds me, Sony still has a fucking feed. Sons of bitches. <laughs> I forget what's... Do we have a voice for Sony? Think no, I did. What, that's what started the goddamn <laughs> Charles Xavier's got a dildo up him joke. Let's 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 steer clear of that. Um, uh, how um, do you feel about that that episode in particular? Um, I felt like it gave us a lot of backstory on both Rebecca and Ted, and mm. also it has them both go through and remember this traumatic experience that both of them uh, had. But it also ends with Rebecca singing at her father's funeral and Ted being the one that supports her in that, uh, you know, singing. And it was... Yeah. I hate that song, but that version of the song just, it stuck with me. And I was bawling my well, eyes I mean, out. She's, she's singing it, you know, that's that makes yeah. a difference. But I think also, um, like, these, these two are, they're kindred spirits in a lot of ways. You know, they're platonic soulmates in a way that... that that Ted and Beard aren't um, because they're of the same gender. Like it's just, there's a really interesting um, a mentor relationship going on, but they, they're like, they're passing the ball between each other based yeah. on who needs it more, you know? And that's what, that's what a true friendship is. Like someone is always going to do the heavy lifting and that's okay. Yeah. And it's also that, that they both came into each other's life at the time that they both needed each other the most. Mm, yeah. And it- perfectly, perfectly put. Thank you. I'm a writer myself. Yeah, you know what a fucking goddamn calculator. <laughs> a calculator. <laughs> Sorry, it's a Parks and Rec joke. Um, cool. Uh, what's what's the question number? How many questions are there, by the way? Uh, we had five. Okay, cool. Question number three. Question number three is uh, congratulations on uh, one year. Keep it up. Thank you. Oh, bless you, whoever that was. Uh, my question is, as of right now, do you have any guests planned for upcoming episodes? We don't. I, I've, get, I've been asked a lot about that and people have asked to come on um, and, it, and it has to be a bit really specific thing. Um, uh, uh, you know, at the moment, it's the, the dynamic works. It was, it was nice to have, um, you know, I guess when we did have one, um, but this is more of a, a two-man show. Um, you know, that's not saying no. But we haven't got any any thoughts about it at the moment. But we are going to be doing some guest work on on a podcast soon. I'll, will we allowed to talk about that? Uh, I don't think so. Not yet. Okay. No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. We'll talk about that. Never. Nothing happened. This Deleted. Is, this is the moment where where like I don't know in some interview like for Hawkeye. Um, Haley Steinfeld said something about uh, the Young Avengers, and Kevin someone Feige asked was her just, about yeah. the Young Avengers. Yeah, and she like looked up at Feige, and Feige was like, "I'm going to have someone come to your house and ninja kill you in the night. <laughs> Scott Atkins is going to come to your home and fly kick you through a window." Scott Atkins is professional ninja. He's not. He's an actor and a stuntman, but I just he's he's, he's pretty ninjury. Um, 
Cool. So, yes, the answer is maybe, and we're not going to be on another podcast. Don't worry about it. Don't say it like that. <laughs> uh, question number four. Uh, right. Uh, congratulations on one year. Many happy returns. Thank Aww, you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, what award would you give to an underrated film? So, what, what was that? Sorry, what? What, what award would you give? To an underrated film. So, as in, okay, so a film that I think is underrated that deserves an award of some sort, or an award that, like, am I saying this movie deserves the underrated award? I think we should go with the first one. So, what movie would I give an award for a film that's underrated? Yeah. Okay, I would give set design. Uh, Costume and cinematography to War World, uh, Waterworld. Never seen that. That movie is fucking backwards ass crazy. Um, but goddamn, if it isn't a good time, and it's and it the the everyone's like it's Mad Max on the water, maybe, maybe, but they they built an entire floating set, uh, you know, to shoot on the atoll. They had all the ship design, the costumes, um, uh, you know, the big the big boats and, 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 you know, all the characters and everything. It was just, it was so well realized. Like it was, nothing was out of place. Um, yeah. So I'd get, and it was shot beautifully, just really, really stunning photography, which is hard to do on the open water because there's no shade, you know, you've got to shoot in blistering sun all the time. So, um, yeah, I would say design work for water world. What about you? And if it's the most, and if it was award for the most underrated film, it would still be water world. <laughs> that movie rules. Just going off the Oscars, I would give Best Cinematography, Best Score, Best Production Design to Babylon. Yeah, yep, yeah, absolutely. Talk about underrated. We had a whole episode about how underrated that program is. Go back and listen to our special bonus episode, We Are Babylon, for the, for, the, for more on that. But yeah, and the dude fucking... I don't know his name. And it was on Facebook anyway, so no one's going to follow it up. But I just deleted it. He fucking came at me hard for, for like... Like, and it was, oh, I was bullshit. But what did he say? Margot Robbie's hair was so modern. I'm like, that's the problem you had with the motion picture? Like, that's your, that's your argument? That's a weird, that's a strange hill to die on, sir. And I, I, you know, I said, did you listen to the episode? He was like, no. And I said, well, then shut up. Like, you can't. It's okay to have an opinion about the thing. But like, you know, I'm, I'm posting about the episode. Like, if you want to, if you want to come back with, you know, a, 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 um, an argument about it or, or at least a, a conversation in the negative where I'm in the positive, you need to hear what I have to say first, you know, give give me an opportunity. But yeah, Babylon, very misunderstood film. That's like, that criticism's like Star Wars fans going, the lightsabers in the sequel look so real. The fuck? <laughs> they look so real or they don't look real? No, they look real. Like, it's not like they're, it's not just one strip of light. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, everybody's got a problem with everything. Fucking hell. Maybe that is why robots need to start writing everything so that everybody's happy. Ah, oh, dear. That's Question be... number five. Yeah, okay. Sorry, what were you saying? That's going to be a weird world where everyone's happy. No, not not saying that. Just... Nope. I'm not going to say shit. That the entire works. planet will be covered in semen. <laughs> I want to get that as a soundbite. <laughs> it's just that. Sorry, one more question, was it? <laughs> <laughs> I 
I do laugh like Frank Gorshin. Uh, I'm sorry. That is okay. That was supreme stupidity of everything I just said. Uh, all right. Um, what do you think about the Scream franchise and have you all seen the sixth one? I've not seen a single Scream film. There you go. Um, I, I'll answer this one solo then. Um, yeah, I dig it. I, I, I like it a lot. It's kind of messy in the middle there. Two and three aren't great. Four's really good. The first one's a classic. Um, uh, the five's pretty good. The most recent one's interesting because pertaining to a city as opposed to a single locale, like a, t- like a small town or whatever. It's set in New York City. I think it was shot in Toronto but, or, or Alberta or something in Canada, but it's set in New York. There's some really interesting set pieces. I didn't really like the, the reveal at the end. It was too easy. I, I wanted it to be something more intricate and interesting but it does open really well like it's sort of like a false code cold open which is great um yeah i dug it i had a good time with it but i mean the story of that for me is you know what i said in the last episode where i went there and it was there was an old man with a baby and they had two beers which was pretty funny but um but yeah no i I like the screen films more than like that's my my speed of horror like uh, these recent ones have gotten a little bit more gory than the originals but I don't like gornography, like big gore, unless it's like ludicrous, like Wishmaster or something, where it's just so over the top, it's it's silly. Um, but uh, but as opposed to sort of um, you know the the Nightmare on Elm Street or, or um, what's the Jason one, um, Friday the Thirteenth, like I like this this style of horror is a bit more like the slasher genre is a bit more my vibe. So yeah, dig it. I, I would I would recommend going out and seeing the sixth one. It's it's really interesting. They're doing some doing some interesting stuff. My kind of horror is imaginative. I like to get scared of the shit that's inside my head. Yeah, well, like fucking Skinnamarink or whatever that one was you talked about yep. last week. Yeah, intense. Well, that's it, folks. Check out Ted Lasso and Scream <laughs> and all the Scream pictures as well. And thank you so much, everybody who did reach out and say, um, you know, congratulations on 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 a year's worth of shows. We love doing it. We're only here because we have a good time together and because you guys have a good time listening. Um, thank you so much for being uh, such a wonderful, accepting, beautiful audience where we're, we're going to keep coming back until you tell us to stop. And then we're just going to do it by ourselves anyway. So please rate and review on uh, uh, Spotify, YouTube, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, The Moon, wherever you get the podcast. Uh, we really would appreciate it. Uh, Addy, my best mate, I love you. Thank you so much for, for um, the last year. It has been an absolute uh, uh, diamond in the rough of, of you know some of the shit that we've had to deal with uh, in the last 12 months. And, um, and I cherish you. I cherish our friendship. Uh, and this is beautiful work to be doing. It's, it's, it's so much fun. And, and I, I will never get tired of it. I love you too, man. Thank you for coming on this weird and uh, frankly, dickful journey. <laughs> No, oh, mate, there's been more dicks in this than, you know, a fucking Richard convention. Like a convention of people named Richard. It's like everybody gets together. Oh, okay. <laughs> Shit, I did not get that one. I didn't either, honestly, and it was my own joke. So, fuck it. But, hey, that's what everybody's used to. Um, but thanks for, thanks for you know, like after, after we did those Hawkeye reviews, you were like, hey, do you want to do a podcast? And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. And then, fuck it, here we are. A year later, episode twenty-seven, and or well, it's actually it's actually thirty if you if you count the bonus episodes, and we're talking about Ted Lasso, a wonderful show. 
thank you so much everyone come back next week um we'll, we'll be celebrating our, our one year anniversary a little bit more specifically with some sound bites from previous episodes but until then remember stay amazing and stay safe and tune in next week to see if blood, blood axe finds his son <laughs> tune in next week will blood axe find his son is blood axe real will regan be wearing pants probably not tune in next time <laughs> i am wearing pants just quietly <laughs> The end. Oh,